This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. The first one in a couple weeks. I hope you guys had a nice, all you Americans that is, had a very nice 4th of July. Uh, I celebrated myself a little bit here. I was in the, you know, I'm in the U.S. right now. I'm on the Warp Tour with so many great bands. It's, it's, I'm making new friends. I'm partying. I'm hanging out. And it really is a great opportunity to talk to a lot of fans of the show. They're coming around saying, Hey Shane, I dig the podcast, which is very nice to hear. I'm also having so many conversations with various band members, and a lot of these, I hope to do them officially, put a lot of them as bonus episodes for the All Access Club, but of course, there will be episodes every week, uh, every Monday, uh, in this case, Monday night. (laughs) I'm a little late this week, but it's okay. And this week specifically, we have a band on the Warp Tour, they are killing it. And I gotta say, this has been one of the most requested interviews that I've had. And uh, it's funny because I actually, actually, um, he reached out to me directly through his management and said, hey, I wanna do the show. And I was like, well, that's perfect because I haven't been meaning to ask you for a little while. So this week, we have Brian Garris of Knocked Loose. If you don't know Knocked Loose, you're probably living under a rock because the hype with this band right now is real. There is no bigger hype band in heavy music. They are killing it every day on the Warp Tour. And what I love about this band so much is they how original they really are. They are raw. They are heavy. They really they really don't give a fuck. And talking to Brian makes it evident that this guy knows about hardcore. This guy knows the history, cares about it, but also just wants to make great music. And speaking with him was definitely all my pleasure. Before we get into that, I want to thank all my sinners worldwide for being a part of the All Access Club. If you're a member, thank you. If you're not a member yet, definitely check it out. 
The link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Basically, for as little as $6 a month, you get a whole bunch of bonus content, and it really does help us keep the lights on around here, keep this show going week after week. So I won't preach about it this week. Just check it out. Again, the link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. Also, news with me. We have a brand new Silver Scene record coming out this Friday. It is called Dead Reflection. We've already released a bunch of songs, I think four songs already. We're selling it at the shows at Warp Tour already. We got the CDs and vinyl, so we're selling it early. So if you are going to a Warp Tour show this week, be sure to stop by our merch tent, say hello, and pick it up. But I'm really proud of this record, and, and you know, it's pretty well documented, I think. Um, on this podcast that I've had a bit of a rough year and this record really was sort of my saving grace it's a highly personal record for me it means a lot to me so be sure to check it out if you have the means or if you just have Spotify give it a listen on Friday it will be up also as you heard at the beginning of this podcast I am a part of the Jabberjaw Podcast Network and there are so many great podcasts you can check out at jabberjawmedia.com and I want to talk about one specifically this week I have been a guest of in the past it's with my good friend Mike Herrera of MXPX and make sure to tune in to Mike Herrera's podcast the Mike Herrera Hour where he features and interviews writers entrepreneurs and mostly musicians Listen to them live every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Adobe Radio. You can also catch the My Carrera Hour on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and of course, JabberjawMedia.com. For more information, check out MikeHerrera.net. All right, hey, let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Knock Loose frontman Brian Garris. Hello, Brian. Hello, Shane. How's it going, man? Good. How are you? I'm great, man. We're uh, we're sitting under the in your hang zone. Yeah. Uh, on Warp Tour right now, Charlotte, North Carolina. Bunch of drum cases, a bunch of posters, just a bunch of bullshit, really. Yeah. Don't compare it to yours. I mean, you guys have a cinder block holding up your tent. What's yeah. going on, man? You guys need a better hang zone. I think that. This is our first tour we've ever done with, like, a wagon or anything. So I think that we're not used to chilling around it. We're always, like, over the there. Venue yeah, stuff. watching. Like, I try to watch as many bands as I can. I'm, like, almost never here. I always walk past your all's hang zone, and it looks like somebody's beautiful back porch. <laughs> That's how we roll. Yeah, it looks so nice over there. And I, there's definitely been some jealousy, and I've thought about it. The other day, we actually did the thing where you put the... The cooler underneath the trailer door so you can prop it up like a porch. We invented that, Brian. Yeah, you, you we got all kinds it. of bands. I know. They all copied us. Yeah. But we were the first also to put AstroTurf on our on our uh, trailer door as well. Yeah, that's so brilliant. We are... I know. We're ridiculous. <laughs> and um, that's cool, man. So you are you uh, managed to walk around Warped Tour all day and just watch bands. Yeah. Even or, in this heat. Or I, like, I'll sit at our table a lot with uh, our merch guy because he's like yeah. my best friend. So I'll just hang out with him or... Just watch bands. That's sick, man. Who are some of your uh, faves on this tour? 
obviously hay breed. Yeah, I uh, love hay breed. I've been trying to catch hay breed, sick of it all. Um, and then we, a lot of the bands that we got to tour with last year are on this tour, so I, I watch them every day just because they're great friends of ours, like Counterparts, Stick to Your Guns, Acacia Strain. Um, I've caught you all, uh, Hawthorne Heights, because I just recently met them, and they're cool. all very nice guys. And So you, um, obviously you're young, younger than me. Uh, how old are you now? I'm 23. I'll be 24 in September. Okay, 23. So... Uh, growing up, you know, as a punk rock kid, hardcore kid, whatever, did you go to Warp Tour? Yeah, uh, I think the first time I went to Warp Tour was like 2009. Okay. So not too long ago. Um, and then I went again 2010 and then 2013, I think. And when you were a kid going to Warp Tour, did you, was it like a dream of yours to play or anything like that? Or was, you Honestly, know, at that point, were you not really a musician yet? Or what was going on? I was a musician, but I never really. I think that just regular touring was my dream, so yeah. I hadn't thought far enough to warp tour. But I remember when Knocked Loose started a tour, um, people would always tease us like, "You guys are gonna play Warp Tour one day," and they I think they kind of put it in my head as a dream. Like right. last year, we went to hang out with some friends of ours that were on the tour, and I got to do like a guest vocal part with them. And when I got out on stage, I was like. Like, I felt really good, and I was, like, so nervous, and I was like, man, I would absolutely love to do this. So getting the offer was definitely, like, uh, it was a, it was an awesome feeling. No, no, that's amazing. It's 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 funny, you know, because uh, the first Warped Tour I went to was in 1997, uh, so 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm 36, and um, the first band I ever saw was Sick of It All. I walked in the park and the first I see the side of stage I was like 16 I ran to the stage and I was sick of it all playing That's and it's pretty sick. crazy that 20 years later they're still here on the tour yeah. and they're still one of my favorite bands yeah um, but you know what's kind of funny about that is like the first band I ever saw at Warped Tour was a hardcore band but hardcore wasn't really that big a part of Warped Tour until actually quite recently yeah um, and I think there's in some ways with the cool underground hardcore scene Warp Tour's not cool. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Was there any, um, like, maybe we shouldn't do this tour, maybe this isn't, like, what we want to do, how we want to spend our summer, like, maybe we want, maybe there's other tours that could be better for us? Was that we, ever a thought or a conversation like that for you guys? We never had that. Because, no. like, ever since, like, the beginning of the band, like, hardcore or not, like, whatever people decide to call us, we, we just wanted to make sure that, like, we're not afraid to play any kind of show. We just want to play cool shows with our friend with our friends. Uh, so like we've done like the hardcore thing, the metalcore thing. We've done pop punk tours. We've done we played a rap show a month ago in New York City. Like <laughs> nice. uh, we'll play anything. So like Warp Tour was never something that we would have ever turned down because it, it was it's too good for our band. Everybody that does it tells us about how much fun it is and about how it's summer camp and like so like is. As soon as we got the offer, it was like, yep, there it is. Let's go. No, that's sick. And I think it's obvious that you're not burnt out on this. You're not jaded. Oh, you're yeah. You're not like the classic, hardcore, like, too cool for everything guy, um, which is refreshing yeah. for me. Because believe me, people that get up to my age, you know, we're not watching a lot of bands, dude. We're hanging yeah. out there and drinking a lot of beers. Um, and of course we'll go see our friends and stuff but like in terms of I don't know if I'm just old and tired or what it is but you know 
that youthful exuberance yeah. that you have is like a really cool thing. Yeah, I don't. I hope I never get jaded. Right. I mean, I, I keep telling myself that if I ever stop getting excited about the people I get to meet on tour, then I don't need to tour anymore. Like on this tour, I found myself in so many situations where I'm just like, I can't believe I'm here. Like yeah. the other day, I was playing board games with Craig from Sick of It All. Or, <laughs> really? Yeah. Or the other day, I was just like chilling in JT from Hawthorne Heights trailer. Today, I'm here talking to you. Like, I just get to meet so many people that I've like known about or listened to for so long that like I never want to stop getting excited because of that. You know what I mean? Absolutely, man. And and that's. That's an awesome thing. And, and for me, you know, like I said, 20 years of Warped Tour, I've gone every year or played every year, and I still love it. Yeah. You know, but there are times, like, when we get the offer, it's our seventh Warped Tour, we get the offer, we're like, oh, man, can we do this again? Can we yeah. do 42 shows or whatever in this kind of heat all summer long? Like, there is a little bit of a, here we go again. Yeah. You know. The heat um, is definitely hard. I definitely wasn't a, didn't know what I was getting into, especially like when we played Vegas and stuff. Like it was very, very hot. Have you guys done much like outdoor festival this stuff? This is the before? first one. Yeah, this yeah. is our first one. How's that? How's that different for you guys? Because you know, I imagine all your shows are pretty much started out probably in super small, like I mean, probably like shitty bars, VFW halls, yeah. house shows, exactly wherever you could play now all of a sudden it's like you're on this elevated stage it's not dark yeah the sun's shining on you it's like a completely different environment does that take some getting used to for you guys are you still getting used to it i'm still not used to playing with a barricade right because like we we just started doing like the bigger support tours within last year so we would show up to a venue and you wouldn't know if there'd be a barricade or not and obviously being on Warped, there's a barricade every day. So, like, yeah. that's still um, kind of hard to get used to. I just got to make sure that I'm being entertaining enough without the crowd interaction. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm a lazy guy. I rely on the crowd interaction. If I see kids singing, I'm like, yeah, you can do it for me, and I'll just give it to them. So um, I think that's been the hardest part. And then just, like, the sunburn. I think my nose has been sunburnt since the tour started. It's getting a little freckly. I yeah. can see it. Yeah, man. It's It really is different with the barricade when you come from that world. I mean, you know, there's the Joel from Being as an Ocean method, which is just go in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And you be one with the crowd. Is that something you ever do? I get on the barricade a lot, but uh, um, I don't think I'm actually allowed to go over. Because we're on the full sail stage. Really? Yeah, and... Uh, they're all I don't know I feel like they kind of panic when we play because we're like the only heavy band over there and we typically get like a pretty good amount of kids over there to watch yeah. us so I feel like all the staff is kind of freaking out like they're afraid everything's about to break so they I don't think they want me going over into the crowd because but I, you say you don't think like did anyone ever say to you you can't go in the crowd nobody like, has yet but every time I go down onto the barricade I got like 10 people holding me to make sure I'm not about to fall over or get pulled into the crowd Break some rules. Come on, Brian. Get crazy, man. No. Um, so I love your band. Uh, love the energy you guys have. Love the whole thing. And and my favorite thing about you guys, if I'm just being honest, is, and I think it goes a little bit with what we talked about with the youthful exuberance, is there's some rawness to your band. Yeah. It's like 
it seems like it's just five kids that are trying to make heavy music and get out some aggression and frustration, but you don't really care about, like you said, what people are going to label you. Yeah. You're just trying to make make heavy songs and good songs and, and have a super high energy show. But the rawness you guys have, I don't think that that is something that you can talk about. Yeah. I think that's just something that exists. Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about when I say that? I definitely understand what you're saying. And I'm glad that you feel that way. Um, I think that when we started the band uh, and recorded, like, our first release, we, like, didn't have a drummer, and we only had uh, one guitar player. So we recorded at our guitar player's house, and he just programmed the drums. So I think that we were so eager to get the music out there that we just focused on the live show. Yeah. Like, once we finally had a band, we were like, the music's already out there, and now we got to make sure that we bring it when we play. You know what I mean? So it's always kind of been like a live show first kind of thing, which I'm glad that we all just like kind of, it's like an unspoken agreement between all of us. Even when we recorded our album, uh, we, we ended up recording it live. Really? With Will Putney? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. So like, it was definitely weird for us because like our drummer used to play to a metronome uh, when we would play live and everything. And when we went to record with Will, he was like, let's ditch it. Like... Let's just do it live. No really? metronome. That's yeah. wow. That's unheard of. Yeah. So maybe uh, that's what I'm hearing then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I, 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 for me, like records these days are so, like, for lack of a better word, like square. You know, everything yeah. is is put to you know metronome, like you said, click track. Things are quantized. Everything sounds yeah. perfect. And there's there that rawness that I guess you guys have. I guess that's what it comes from. Yeah. We didn't do scratch tracks. We had. We had our guitar players and bass in the room playing in the headphones that our drummer was listening to while he was recording the drums. So he was just recording to whatever they were playing at the same time. Like, it was... I I really, really liked the way that we did it. I mean, it came out a lot faster because he didn't have that click to slow him down, but I kind of like that. I, I like that our yeah. music is faster. If we're going to be as heavy as we are, I would prefer not to be, like, super slow and dragged sure. out, drug out. Especially when you start playing... Uh, live because live the tendency is to play faster anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to have it be like oh like they play their songs too fast like live and it's not as heavy or something. Yeah. Like, so it's it's probably better to to set like we always say when we're making records we're always like all right there's a tempo here's what we think it should be then we'll bump it up by like three yeah you know and then but of, of course like, not live. using a clip track these days is like very very rare especially yeah. with a big producer like Will. Yeah, I was I was nervous about it at first, but I think yeah. that it turned out great. And he hasn't used a click track since. Like, even when we played live now, like, no click. And it just seems more organic. Like, I mean, we mess up every now and then, but it's real. Like, it, right. we just want, I don't know, as long as we look cool messing up <laughs> to the kids <laughs> that are paid to watch us. <laughs> just mess up the same part every time. And it's yeah. just, that's just the way the song goes, man. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about your uh, early life. I mean, you're only 23. wasn't that long ago. You can probably remember it pretty well. Um, Oldham County, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Louisville has a rich, hardcore scene history. I've never heard of Oldham County. I thought you guys said Orange County on stage. I was like, oh, 
I thought they were from Kentucky. Why are they from California? No. So um, uh, I'm probably not alone there, people hearing that. But yeah. um, what was it like growing up there? As far as the music scene? No, like, no, no. What was it like growing up for you? Oh, I mean, it's very chill. Like, people... I've had a ton of kids ask me if it's scary because of the way the music that we play. They're like, oh, it must be scary because their music is scary and they rep it so hard. But, like, it's not at all. It's just, like, woods. It's a bunch of woods and neighborhoods and public schools. And it was fine. I mean, I had, like, my close group of friends. And I wouldn't say that, like, it was hard or that it was easy. You know what I mean? It was just... I had a... Fairly normal, normal childhood. To you, yeah. yeah. So yeah, did you have a, a standard like sorry, standard? I shouldn't say that. Did you have sort of a classic family structure, nuclear family? Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have two younger brothers. Um, one's name is Dallas. He's sixteen now. One is Trey. He's fourteen. Uh, my mom and dad still together. Um, both of my little brothers are into the same kind of music. Right. Uh, they're basically just like me, just <laughs> clones of me. My younger brother Dallas is actually sang in bands before. Really? Yeah. And he's only sixteen. Yeah, he he started a band called Street Rat when he was like fourteen, and we started putting him on all kinds of shows and like started getting him like helping him print merch and stuff and like <laughs> the bass player for his band is somebody I actually graduated high school with, so it's like somebody my age, but the but Dallas was just super young. So obviously, like um, getting into music, the music side of things. Was there music like played in your household? Did, did your family, did your your parents like sing or, yeah, or, or um, play music in the house or play guitar or anything? My grandpa on my mom's side, my pop, he played bass my whole life, basically his whole life, and the saxophone. Okay. Uh, and it, but bass was like his main thing. It's what he actually like excelled in. He got he was in a bunch of bands. He got to tour. He got to tour Europe. Um, he got to do a lot through music, and I always looked up to him because of it. Uh, my grandma on my dad's side was actually a country singer. Uh, she used to play shows I used to go to when I was younger. Um, my uncle on my dad's side was a drummer. My cousin so, on wow. my mom's side, the guitar. Like, wow. I've got it all throughout my family. It's all Everybody in my family has always just been so passionate about music that it was about, that it was like just a... I wanted to play guitar at first, and I tried, yeah. and I just wasn't that good at it, and I gave up real easy, and then I just started yelling, kind of as a joke. Really? Yeah, like I was just kind of making fun of a band. Not making fun of them as I didn't like them. I was just like mocking them. Yeah. And I was like, hey, that's kind of tight. And I just ran with it. And you just could kind of scream right away when you tried? It came no, out your body? I, and- I definitely couldn't, but I, was, <laughs> I could more than any of my friends that were trying. So like... One of my friends was in a band, and we were all goofing off, and I was, like, yelling or whatever, and he was like, that's tight. Like, you should be in, be in my band. And I was just like, okay, yeah, for sure. And, like, then I just, like, I don't know, the excitement of being in a new ba- in your first band, I just fell in love with it. And back then I tried to do, like, all the, like, fancy, like, lows and highs and, like, all the crazy stuff. And then... Uh, one day I just was like, yeah, I can't really do that at all. So I'm just going to start yelling at the top of my lungs. And, like, that's just what I do now. Right. And um, do you ever sing? You clean singing? Have you tried that? Is that something I you can't ha- you, at, you can't all. at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have, like, a terrible voice. It's funny how some guys, like, like uh, you never know in hardcore, right? Like, guys are just screamers and they never sing. doesn't mean they can't. Like, 
You ever heard Brandon from Counterparts sing? Barely. He's pretty good. Yeah, man. he tries to like sneak it in, but he's so good. He's really good. Like they saw, they played um, a set one time in Toronto where they did an entire cover set of The Used, and That's he sang sick. all the songs and he ripped. And yeah. I was like, where the hell's that come yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I always wonder about that. But um, um, how did you? I, I've never asked anybody this, but I'm wondering, how did you like practice? As a screamer Was it just Were you just doing it When you were In a band practice environment Or Is our tent gonna blow away Is that, does that cinder block got it I think it's got it All I right. hope it's got it If the tent blows away We could be I You don't wanna it. hold that The whole time Not the whole time But when the wind starts Picking up I'll grab a hold of it The other thing we used to do is Like a um, Zip tie A dolly you know, oh yeah, or a or a road case, whatever to it. But, but damn, yeah, as you're hopefully saying, the tent doesn't blow away. We'll have that half half the interview will be us chasing down a tent yeah. flying. Hopefully not smashing into a bus. Anyways, Manny, sorry, sorry. Um, um, yeah, how did you practice your screaming? Cause that's something like it's really funny to think of somebody like in their bedroom. Yeah, like singing in their bedroom, sure, but like. Screaming, like yeah. practicing your death metal growl or whatever yeah. in the uh, in your bedroom. Did you have a way you practiced or when, or? I, when I like started, and I was like super young and lived with my parents. Like, yeah, I just screamed in my bedroom. Like, I just like played my radio as loud as I could go, and I would just sing, scream along with songs. And then like when I remember like when my old band would play shows, like on the this is actually really funny, but on the way to the show, I would sing. I would like scream Emir in my car to warm up. <laughs> I would just put on Emir's first record and just scream it while somebody was driving me, just like in the passenger seat. So like I'm sure anybody driving by us thought that I was insane. That's but, so funny. But Go now ahead, yeah. like I don't practice at all. Like I probably should. Like in between tours, I should probably do something to like keep my voice like regular. Because I mean, when we started this tour. We took, like, a little bit of time off before this tour, so it had been a while since I had done vocals. So, like, right after the first day, my voice was just shot. Yeah. It was completely gone. Totally. I mean, that, that's that's always what happens with, with um, tours. Like, the first week is def- like the first week is the hardest. Yeah. First few days are hard, and then something happens. It's like a muscle, I guess, right? And then yeah, you're yeah. fine. Um, but, yeah, that's... there's It's the same with me, too. Like, when, I, when we don't tour for a while, like, I'll, like start warming up before the show a little bit I don't yeah, really yeah. scream when I warm up I just kind of sing and then the, usually the first song is first line is screaming and I'm like I haven't screamed in like two months yeah, here yeah. it is ah! and it's usually like atrocious I sound like a pterodactyl or something yeah I don't really warm up I'll usually just like I'll sneak off to the green room and I'll scream once and it'll kind of let me know how the show's about to go <laughs> yeah. like the little test yeah. the test run we played a show the other day in, in Durham North Carolina it was like an off day show and we had a uh, a bunch of bands that are on the tour played and there was like this like pop punk band in the green room and i just walked in and was like hey guys this is about to be really awkward and then i just screamed at the top of my lungs and they all just looked <laughs> at me like i was crazy and i was like all right i'm warmed up and i went outside and played <laughs> so funny so like um obviously we're talking about you screaming in your bedroom i mean nobody just hears you know your relatives playing country music and yeah. playing whatever, um, and then all of a sudden it's like I'm going to be a screamer. So, where did you start getting into like hardcore and, and heavy music and stuff that allowed you to want to do that? 
it was like seventh grade. I, I think actually my aunt helped like bridge the gap. Uh, she started showing me like your like Corn and Metallica and Slipknot and oh, like yeah. your like entry level metal bands. And um, from then on out, it was just like my own hunger that really like fueled the fire. Like back then, I had like Headbangers Ball. Yeah, and I would watch it every single Saturday, and with a notebook, and I would write down the bands that I liked. And we had like dial-up internet, so it took like a week to download a song. <laughs> but I, I would go to iTunes and download like one song, and I, I just started doing it that way. And then I started actually buying CDs because I was just sick of waiting for my computer. And I remember like the first CD I ever bought with my own money was uh, Misfits Greatest Hits CD. <laughs> and I bought it solely because I thought the artwork was cool. And it said it had a poster inside. So I was like, yeah, I, I want a poster for my room, so I'm going to buy this CD. And then... That's uh, amazing. Under Oath. And Under Oath record as well. Was there, was there any... Really, like, obviously, being from Louisville, there must be a like, big Christian community. Is that Was that a part of your life at all, religion? Um, you say Under Oath. You know, I know a lot of kids got into Under Oath because they were Christian. I know my, my grandmother's very religious, and uh, she, she used to take me and my brothers to church, and... Religion isn't something that I'm, like, against at all. Like, I, I do believe in God. Uh, I've actually never talked about religion in an interview. But um, I believe in God. I just don't know if I would say I, like, follow any specific religion. Um, I did for a while, but then I felt like it was just because that's how I was raised. Like, I was raised to believe that that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah. So I kind of just, like, stepped back and, like, took a break from it and kind of rediscovered it for myself, if that makes sense. Like... I think so, yeah. I found I found God on my own terms to the point where it was just, like, undeniable for me personally. And I kind of left it at that. Like, I, I never, like, really followed, like, any specific religion. I just know that I believe in God, and I don't think anything will change that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's. I think it's a journey in life a lot of people take. Um, you know, I don't think you have to be a certain age and be like, this is what I think, this is what I believe, this is what I'm always going to believe. I think it's okay to, you know, uh, as you have more experience with things, as you go to more and more places, yeah. see the world, I think a lot of times people's feelings change about it. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I definitely, I definitely have had some like personal struggles about it and I've like talked about it in our music, but I think when it comes to the actual like argument of like if god exists or not i definitely believe in him you know what i mean yeah man well um uh so back to hardcore uh where okay i gotta ask you okay so okay. i went over and i saw you guys playing and you were wearing an integrity shirt and i was yeah. like oh man like that's crazy yeah. Then i saw you in catering and you're wearing a by the grace of god shirt and i'm yeah. like so you're like what are you mail ordering victory records merch is that what's happening yeah i just i'm on all the groups I'm on eBay like I'm just constantly looking for older shirts I don't know I like to do my research when it comes to hardcore well I, I respect that yeah so I, I I definitely like try to collect t-shirts it's cool and I was surprised you know for somebody that's 23 and I feel like your generation you know the history of of music and how we got here is sort of a dying art yeah like you know you talk about the misfits uh that was what happened to me like back 
you know, I, I guess it was similar to you. I didn't have, there was no internet really to yeah. get music when I was a kid. So I would hear about something in a magazine and they'd hear some of the bands I like, like Bad Religion or Rancid or whatever, talk about like the Misfits or talk about Minor Threat or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd go and I'd buy those records because I wanted to know where the music came from. So I thought that that was a cool thing. I'm like, oh my God, by the grace of God, like I have not thought about that band yeah. in a minute. You know? I had to do that because they're from my hometown. Are they really? Yeah, they're from Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, so... I didn't know that they were. Yeah, so Oldham County is just like 20 minutes outside of Louisville. Yeah. So, like, my address is Louisville, Kentucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I actually recently became friends with the drummer of By the Grace of God because he's in a new band called Miracle Drug, and it's okay. like a super group. It's the drummer for By the Grace of God, the guitar player for Mouthpiece... The bass player for Super Touch and the singer from CR, which is like the Staten Island band. And they're all just like really, really nice guys that all live in Louisville now and have like real jobs and real families and wanted to start a hardcore band just to play some shows locally. And they're like the nicest people. And I met Tommy, who played drums for By the Grace of God. And on the back of that shirt that I have, it's like a picture of like a fake contract and it's basically like them signing their life away to Victory Records type thing. <laughs> and it's got a hand signing a name and it's actually Tommy's hand. Oh, so yeah. he was like, that's my hand. Like that's Tommy Edge on the bottom of that like signature. And I was like, that's crazy. Like I think it's important to do research. Like I think that it's the coolest thing ever. Like finding somebody that has just put so much time into hardcore and just like getting to pick their brain we toured with Stick to Your Guns and their guitar player Chris uh, played yeah. in Walls of Jericho. I know we toured with Walls of Jericho back in 2004. Yeah, so like I would Windsor, just, Ontario represent. He's, yeah, he's my boy. I would just punish Chris. Yeah, about old stories like about them touring with Earth Crisis and like all the crazy things they got to do and all the like all the things that they had to overcome with having like a a female singing for the band in yeah. that time period when it like wasn't common whatsoever. I, I no, they it. were like pretty much the only one. But a lot of you know, hardcore's macho. You know, a lot of it is, yeah. especially at that time. You know, th- there was sure there was like I had John Joseph from from Chromex on an episode, and you know, we talked a little bit about this how it was macho, nihilistic. Like people didn't give a shit. A lot of people didn't like the fact that they had a female singer. Yeah, doing that. You know, it was a, and and so that that's I sh- I would love to have Chris on or. Uh, talk to him about that maybe for a bonus episode or something but yeah um but how did you get like you you know we're talking about watching headbangers ball and now we're talking about by the grace of god and walls of jericho where where, did you start going to shows i Um, started going to shows it probably right after i started listening to heavy music i just started my mom took me to a show because she wouldn't let me go by myself so so oldham county doesn't have a music scene it it was just louisville right i understand but oldham county had a venue when I was in middle school called Twice Told and they would have punk shows every weekend. Oh, yeah. So me being, like, new to this music, I would see these punks that would, like, ride my bus with, like, these giant mohawks and they always had their skateboards to school. And I was like, I gotta go. And my mom just wouldn't let me. Like, she was like, no, like, they look weird. And, like, <laughs> and I was kidding. My mom's not judgmental at all. But, like, me being young, like, she was nervous about me jumping, diving into that world... Um, so finally she took me to my first show and it like wasn't a punk show. It was Suicide Silence. How old were you? I was probably 14. Okay. 13, 14. And my mom 
like snuck her way. Have you ever played Headliners Music Hall yeah, in Louisville, yeah. Kentucky? Yeah. So you know how the green room is just that balcony upstairs. Yep, exactly. My mom snuck her way onto the balcony because I mean she had no place in the crowd. And she yeah. ended up hanging out with a tour package the whole time. Like, yep, that's my son down there. Like, so they all like <laughs> knew who I was, and it was sick. And then she she took me once, and she was like, "Yeah, you can start going by yourself. Like, this isn't crazy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure like her hanging out with the guys on tour and realizing they're just like nice, normal yeah. guys. Yeah, they're not like you know, because if you're not surrounded by that, you know, you you, you read Motley Crue's The Dirt and you think that's like what's going on. Yeah, you know. Um, so that probably was a big thing. She's like, exactly. oh, yeah, it's cool. And then I just started going to all of them. And I started... So, like, Louisville Hardcore is, like, its own thing when it comes to, like, Louisville shows. You've got, like, the bigger, like, headliner shows, and then you've got Louisville Hardcore. You know what I mean? So I kind of found that when I was, like, leaving high school and started going to, like, strictly hardcore shows instead of, like, metal shows... And I was just instantly hooked, and that's when it started being about, like, all about hardcore and, like, the history of hardcore. And, like, because when in Louisville, like, all the people older than us or that was there before us, like, when we started coming around, it wasn't like, oh, you're a new kid, like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, they were never like that. They were like, oh, like, if you had fun at this show, like, here's a flyer for this one. And if you need a ride, I'll come pick you up and take you. Cool. Or it was like, oh, I like that shirt. You should check out these five bands that sound like that band. And I'm very grateful for, like, I'm still friends with those guys. Like, they still go to hardcore shows. And they're responsible for, like, why I love hardcore and why I'm obsessed with the history. Because they were always yeah. like, oh, you like this new band. Here's who influenced them. Are you bummed out you never got to go to Crazy Fest? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But at the same I never time, either. but at the same time, the last year Crazy Fest happened. Disembodied dropped day of, so I feel like I would have been more upset if I went and didn't get to see Disembodied. Right, right. No, that's funny. No, my my uh, friend Andy Tinsley. Do you know Andy Tinsley? Uh, I don't think so. He um he's from Louisville, and he I think he used to put on Crazy Fest or was one of the organizers, and he um he's now the front house tour manager of uh, Deftones. Oh, sick. So and he used to work with um, uh, from Honor to Ashes back in the day. That's yeah. how I know him, and oh, a bunch of bands. I know Chuck, uh, the merch guy for Warped, um, said that he worked on Crazy Fest. I'm sure Chuck. I mean, yeah. you should talk to Hardcore about. Uh, with, yeah. you should talk about Hardcore with Chuck. We have that a little bit, but we too. haven't gotten to really dive into it. Yeah, man. Um, so we got to talk about Knocked Loose. Um, obviously, you guys have a lot of hype right now i don't know how aware you are of it being you know on the inside looking out sometimes you don't hear what people are saying but you know you guys probably see you're pulling big crowds over there a lot of people are talking about it um did you ever think this was going to happen and and how how are you interpreting all this like the success i definitely didn't think that it was going to happen uh but i feel like it did happen really fast so it was kind of like, I don't know. I need. I, I just had to take a step back and be like, everything that I've always wanted is slowly but surely starting to happen, and it's just like it's such a great feeling that I. It, it's just one of those feelings where I feel like I can't say thank you enough. Like, right. Thank you to the people that come to see us, to Kevin Lyman, to the people involved in our like that help putting out our record. Like, 
just everybody that has ever had a hand in getting us where we are like it's just like I never would have pictured it right and it's insane like the the we we only have one record out yeah yeah and it just did so much better than any of us would have pictured that we're all like terrified to write another record that was literally my next question yeah um it's a well documented thing we talk about on this show is that no band in the history of music especially punk rock has ever put out a bad second record and lived to tell the tale yeah Think, can you think of one? Can no. you think about a bad se- like every band that put out a bad second record, pretty much ended up yeah. like fading away. There's yeah. so many cases of it. So yeah, it's been. I mean, the record came out what over a year ago now. Uh, this time last year. So okay, so a year ago. Yeah. Um, it's got to be getting to be time to start thinking about writing. Yeah. What's the plan there? What are you guys gonna do? I mean, we're gonna do the same thing we always do, and just like get in a room and write you know what I mean like we've definitely talked about like directions that we wanted to go with it and things that we wanted to maybe like touch up on it's been we're all very like we listen to our band you know what I mean like when we got the record done we've listened to our record so many times (laughs) that it's just embedded in our brain so your fans your own band that's good and we but we but at the same time we know what we want to do differently next time you know what I mean and what is that I don't know, like, for one, I want it to be heavier, which I know sounds crazy because everybody looks at us like we're so heavy, but I think that we can be heavier without sacrificing our sound. You know what I mean? And then a lot of people, I don't know, a lot of people compare us to, like, those, like, old, like, metalcore bands, like, Disembodied and, like, Martyr AD and, like, stuff like that just because we have those, like, panic chords. Uh... And I like that. I like that comparison. That's the kind of stuff that, like, I listened to when I when I was that age. But um, I would like to dive a little bit more into that, like the weirder aspect of it. Bands like Botch, Cave In, yeah. like really. I feel like that's because a lot of bands are Some doing of the more technical stuff. A lot of the bands are doing are doing more of the Martyr AD thing. Like it, it's like coming back around, like full circle. And I think that it's sick. I I can listen to it all day, but, like, I haven't really heard anybody tap into, like, the weirder side of things. But who knows? Like, we're very big about, like, just not forcing anything. Like, we we just get into a room and whatever happens, happens. No, no, definitely, man. Um, I am excited. I'm just nervous. Yeah, no, it's going to be, yeah, it's, it really is going to be make or break. Yeah. Like, you know, and I mean, I don't mean to scare you. Yeah, yeah. But that... That pressure you're gonna feel it, it's it's real pressure. Yeah, you know, because if the record comes out and it's gonna be one of these classic hardcore records or classic heavy records, yeah, um, you guys are gonna be doing this for a very long time. And if it's if it flops, everyone says uh, laugh tracks was way better. Yeah. Everyone's saying, oh, what happened? Then you know it's gonna be like, okay, you're gonna have to kind of be building this thing slowly. But are you scared of getting too big? Um, I don't know. I haven't really, like... I've always set small goals for myself instead of big goals. So it was, like, my goal was to start a band, then my goal was to tour, and my goal was to get signed. You know what I mean? I never I never started a band and was like, I'm going to tour the world. You know what I mean? It was like, after I'd already toured the States, it was like, okay, now my goal is Europe. Okay, now my goal is this. You know what I mean? So, like, right now, my goal is Japan. Like, I want to go to Japan really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then, like, if we get bigger, like, I'm going to welcome it with open arms. Like, it'd be sick. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's the goal. That's why we tour as much as we do to, to play in front of new faces and, like, yeah. Hopefully, when when it comes to when it comes time to like headline our own tour, all those people come out and watch us. So like, we'll see how it goes. We Are haven't you done do a headline tour. Yeah, we haven't done a headliner off of Laugh Tracks yet, uh, but we're we're talking about one. Um, I think I heard about one, but I won't spill the beans. Yeah, please don't, because <laughs> it's very early in the workshop uh, stage. Right. No, um, we can talk I, about it off record. Sure, of course we will. But uh, no, I'm I'm. I'm stoked for that, and I'm stoked for you guys becoming that band. So you guys have never done any headline tours ever. We have, like, back when we were just touring off our demo, uh, we would we toured, like, 10 months out of the year. Like, it was just, like, as soon as we got our own band, we just hit the road, and we would have flyers on the walls at venues for our next tour while we were on a tour. Like, hey, if you like us, we'll be back in 10 days on a different tour. Like. And right. we would just find bands on the road and be like, "Do you want to go out? Like, we'll we'll book it. Like, we'll we'll get it going." And we did that for like a year and a half before we finally met Pure Noise. And then, uh, how did you book those shows? We had a friend named Travis Porter who, like, he he still books tours. He booked for us. He was friends with a band that we toured Not with. Travis our first Toronto. Toronto. Not Travis Porter from Toronto. Not Travis Porter from Toronto, but. He booked our first tour ever because he was friends with the band we were on tour with. And then he was like, you guys are sick. Like, do you need help? And we were like, yes, just put us on the road as much as you can. And he did, and he helped us a tremendous amount. Cool. Um, he's still booking tours and still working really hard. He And um, so that's always just kind of been our thing is to just be on the road as much as possible. Are you? Uh, is there a concern about headlining finally? Like, you got to play a longer set. You know what I mean? You have to do this sort of like being, putting on a show. Because, you know, like when people come to see your band now, sure, they're coming to see you. But they're also probably going to stick around for, I know you guys supported like Every Time I Die or yeah. Stick to Your Guns. Or like those bands that are veterans are going to put on a great show. They're going to give the kids their money's worth. Yeah. But now when that's you, there's a pressure there to have to be the ones that give the kids their money's yeah. worth is there is there any concern there for you there's definitely Especially a pressure being a front man? there's definitely a pressure being like i don't know helping having a hand in the bands that play before us and being like really i have to play after them right like these are my friends and they're or or like this band is so good and we're supposed to follow them every night kind sure, of thing yeah. you know what i mean yep um i think that there's a lot of pressure there and it's just like like you said, like just a whole year of support tours with Every Time I Die, and like I, I've been seeing Every Time I Die since I w was allowed to go to shows. So I knew that th those people were there for them. Like, granted, we would have great sets, but I was like, yeah, this is still an Every Time I Die show. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm anxious to see how it goes, but at the same time, like I think it's going to be fun. I think we'll probably do like smaller rooms, and just make it as crazy as we can. Awesome, man. I, I think that's a good idea. You know, don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. Um, so when can people expect to hear some new Knock Loose music? Do you have any idea? Um, we're shooting for first half of next year. Okay. That's, the, that's like the goal right now. Like, we started writing in our little gap in between our last tour and this tour. Um, and we're going to continue to write when we get home. So sure. we'll see how it goes. Like I said, we're not going to force anything. 
But if everything falls into place, we're going to get it out as soon as we can. Sounds awesome, man. Um, trying to think what else. What else should we say? Oh, I know what I can ask you. Um, so you mentioned you want to go to Japan really bad. What yeah. other places have you got to go to so far? And, like, being kids from... What is it again? Oldham, Oldham County. County. Yeah. Was it a? Was there any culture shock kind of seeing that, or had you traveled uh, yourself before the band uh, uh, got going? So I had never left Kentucky before I started touring. Like I have relatives who live in Indiana, but like that doesn't really count because it's like <laughs> two hours away. Yeah. But like the first time I ever saw the beach, like I was was I was in a van. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um. So we got to do Europe last winter uh, with counterparts and expire. And it was 100% a culture shock. I went to Europe actually right before the tour to visit my girlfriend because she went to school there for like six months. She did a semester abroad. Wow. So I actually had like money saved up and like I was like, I'm going to go visit you before we tour there. So like I kind of already like, no, I get the okay. I get the culture shock over with. <laughs> but I mean, it was awesome. You can like, tell your other guys in your band, like, okay, you got to go here. Yeah, you don't like, go here. <laughs> here's how the metro works. Like, <laughs> right, you know right, what I right. mean? Because um, there is like no public transportation in Kentucky, so like in Louisville <laughs> at least. So I'm like teaching them how to use like the subway system in in Germany or something. And, but I I fell in love. Like I really really like Europe. I feel like people when they tour Europe, they either love it or hate it. But I loved it. Like, I immediately fell in love with, like, the culture and the history. And, like, the, just I would wake up really, really early every day. And I'd make some coffee on the bus. And then I would just go walking around whatever city we were in. And, like, and I and then in January we got to go to Australia. Yeah. And I love Australia. It's, like, the prettiest place. It was their summer, so we just went swimming and cliff jumping every day. We got to go with Sick to Your Guns, so, like, they had obviously been there and knew where to go. Um, We had Mods as our TM. I don't know if you know Mods. Yeah. Okay, cool. Everybody does. He's the best, and he took us to all the sickest spots. And I, I fell in love. Like, I would move to Australia. It was so sick. I know. I love Australia, too. Whenever people ask, and I'm sure you get the question... It's kind of like a, a cliche interview question. It's like, oh, where's your favorite place to tour? My answer is almost always Australia. Yeah, but we haven't done Japan yet. So right now it's Australia. Uh, but I just, I've, I've always wanted to go to Japan. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day that that comes around. Were you surprised when you went to these places and you were so far away from home that that people knew your songs and knew your words? Oh wasn't yeah, that, isn't 100%. that a weird feeling? Yeah, it was the craziest thing, especially being in countries that don't that like English isn't their first yeah. language. It was the craziest thing. Like, I I remember, like, our first show of our European tour was in the Czech Republic. It was in Prague. Yeah. And we played our set, and I just, like, went back to the bus and called my mom and was, like, it went so well. Like, I was, like, I can't believe it. Like, I truly can't believe it. I thought it was just going to be, like, our first time touring the U.S. kind sure. of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? But, no, like, people are coming up to me in, like, very, very broken English trying to tell me, like, how much they enjoy our music. And I was just, like... There's no way. Like, I would just sit there and listen to him talk forever. And then, of course, you get, like, the the funny, like, German backhanded compliments. Of, like, <laughs> the review, we call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that everybody warned us about. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it was great. Dude, what did, you, what did they say to you? It was your first time there. What did they say? Well, we didn't get it that bad. Uh, the funniest thing that they said to us was, he was like, I find your band two weeks past. Uh, please don't break up. 
And I was like, <laughs> okay. okay, man, we won't. But I remember, like, Expire, we played uh, Austria, and apparently Expire just never did well in Austria. And it was their last European tour because they just recently broke up. And I, the promoter went up to their drummer and was like, where did you break up when you finally sell ticket to Austria? And he was like, yeah, I guess so. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, um, yeah. No, I, I, we always hear the, um, pretty good show last time much better yeah <laughs> it's like all right well, well we're going for our second time in the fall yeah so we'll see if we get any of that yep no you'll definitely you'll definitely get that one uh well dude thank you man um thanks for doing this thanks for talking to me today um any warp tour stops you're looking forward to specifically or just all of them um boston i've heard boston is always huge yeah it's a good one they they do it the, the, the setup's pretty cool yeah. I think they might put your stage in this like foresty kind of area yeah. it's real nice there and and then Texas Boston hardcore man I love Texas so I'm looking forward yeah. to that too it's gonna be hot but it's gonna be good definitely man well dude hey thanks man yeah thank you very much this was great yeah appreciate it thanks dude yeah thank you there it is with Brian what a sweet dude just such a nice guy and it's really cool, you know, to see a guy that's younger than me, of a different generation, still caring about the history of hardcore music. And like I said before, I think it's a bit of a lost art these days. I think gone are the days when, you know, you had to go into your local record store and like kind of, hey, I've heard of this band. I've heard of Crass. I've heard of Sex Pistols. I've heard of Minor Threat. I don't know. I'm just going to throw down my 20 bucks and like hope the record's good and and believe me i bought a lot of punk hardcore records when i was a kid that really weren't that great but i you know i still have them and um some of them went back and checked out and they did grow on me over time but these days man you guys your younger generation if you're listening to this and you don't remember those days it's really easy for you to go back and check out some great hardcore and punk rock bands that shaped what you listen to today. So be sure to do that. That's my little my little old man knowledge for you there right there. Anyways, hey, that was this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next Monday for another great episode. I'm very excited about the one next week. Make sure you're subscribed. And of course, check out the All Access Club. The link again is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. I will leave you with a tune. This is, oh yeah, this is going to get you in the zone. Make sure you turn it up super super loud kind of like pump up yourself because this is quite a tune here it is knocked loose with dead ringer on lead singer syndrome peace of love and we will see you next week (laughs) 